Well, hello, Andre here. Good morning. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Daily. Today is the 11th of May, Monday, or as many of you would now know, it is McDonald's Day. This is the day, the first day that McDonald's has reopened its doors, taking takeaways and deliveries only. Many of you have been waiting and waiting and waiting for this day to come. So congratulations, kudos on sticking it out. Go and enjoy some McDonald's today. But aside from that, I hope that you're ready this morning to feast on God's word, to bask in his presence, to experience his peace, his joy that he has extended to you and me as a sign of his good gift, his will, his intent toward our lives. And we rejoice in this day, for God's mercies are new every morning. Well, this past Sunday, if you are part of our church, the city, you had heard the announcement that we are rolling out a rule of life for our church for this circuit breaker online gathering COVID-19 season. Now, this is really important and crucial for us to all adopt as a community because it helps one keep us centered together in God's presence, in God's truth, in His Word, in this time of shaking. But it's also a great way for us to journey together, to be united as a people, as a church community in this time where we are separated. And so if you are listening and you are a city member, I encourage you to go onto our website, look up Rule of Life. There's a list of 10 practices there encourage you to begin to adopt and make plans to integrate uh, these practices into your schedule, into your lifestyle. And I believe, and along with our entire leadership team, we believe that this would make for a life of flourishing in this time of shaking. We'll begin tomorrow with a communal fast, and we are all fasting a meal together, or many meals together as a community. This is a day of fasting. It's for us to stand in solidarity with the poor, but it's also for us to intensify prayer in this time. Now, rule of life might seem like really constraining and really restricting kind of language. Uh, Most of us don't like rules. Uh, But the first clarification I would like to make as it concerns the rule of life is that it is a rule of life, not so much rules of life. Now, the word choice there, it's interesting. The word rule comes from the Latin word regulus, which simply means pattern, routine, rhythm, or ritual. Uh, But it's also interesting because it connects directly to the Greek word for trellis. Trellis is this wooden structure you see uh, surrounding um, plants like grapevines and uh, with a wooden structure, with a wooden trellis, the vine is able to climb up that structure and yield more fruit and it also keeps the plant off the ground such that it's not susceptible to disease, to uh, wild animals coming to pick at it. And so a structure really makes for a lot more fruit than the vine will be able to produce in and of itself. Now, this idea of a rule of life or a trellis is not new to followers of Jesus. Uh, ancient followers of Jesus took that verse from John chapter 15, which I'm sure all of us are familiar with. It goes, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. 
And so ancient followers of Jesus took this verse, took Jesus' words of bearing fruit, of abiding in him, and formed this idea of a trellis or rule of life as a means to position oneself to better remain in Christ to yield more fruit. Now, rule of life, simply put, is an intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything that we do. It provides guidelines to help us continually remember God as a source of our lives. It includes a unique combination of spiritual practices that provide structure and direction for us to intentionally pay attention to God, but also some really practical stuff that communicates our value for certain things, be it our family or certain close friends and relationships. It is simply put a conscious plan for developing one's spiritual, emotional, relational lives. And whether we choose to admit it or not, all of us follow some kind of unconscious rule in our lives. Be it grabbing your phone first thing in the morning, or going to the bed with the TV on, or binge eating a lot of ice cream when you feel sad or angry or upset, we all follow some kind of rule of life. And with establishing a rule of life that is derived from scripture, from teachers of the way of Jesus, we intentionally subvert much of the formation that comes by way of us living in the world our disordered desires, our fleshly inclinations, we are subverting it with an act of counterformation. As we've mentioned previously, much of the work of discipleship or spiritual formation is counterformation in nature, meaning we are going against a certain grain, we are going against certain forces. There are forces at play here they are seeking to form and shape us into a certain kind of people. And as believers, we have to be aware that we are susceptible to these forces of formation that are present in the world we live in. They may come in the form of an advertisement telling you what you're missing in your life that you require, that you need in order to be truly happy. They might come in the form of societal expectations. They may come in the form of dysfunctions or bad practices that have been normalized and have become part of culture. It is in this world that we are called to order our lives around spiritual practices and disciplines in order to live in such a way that professes worth, praise, glory, our allegiance to God and his kingdom. We are in the world, but not of it. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this idea of a rule of life is not new. It is ancient. The first known rule of life uh, began somewhere in 300 AD uh, in the monastic communities in Egypt. But we see this idea of a schedule, habits, spiritual rhythms all through even uh, the Bible. We see Jesus maintain some form of a spiritual rhythm. He would wake up early in the morning to seek God, his father. And we also think about Daniel. Daniel, who was carried off to Babylon as a slave living amongst Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian armies, and their gods. We know that Daniel was cut off from his family, 
his teachers, his friends, his food, his culture, his language, and he was brought into the Babylonian court of the king and sent to study, sent to learn. And he studied a completely foreign and pagan way of viewing the world, entirely foreign to his upbringing. He studied about myths, about astrology, sorcery, magic, all things that were banned in Israel. And these pagan priests and counselors educated him in their wisdom and religion, in their efforts to assimilate him, they even changed his name. And Babylon had this one goal, it is to eliminate Daniel's distinctiveness as a follower of Jesus and absorb him into their dominant culture. Now, how did Daniel resist this power of Babylon? How did he choose to stand firm in his love and devotion to God? We know that Daniel still had responsibilities. He was not some kind of monk living behind the walls. He had a job. He had expectations. He was required to perform. How did he remain resolute in his faith in the midst of living in a dominant foreign culture. What we do know is that Daniel had a plan. He had a kind of rule of life. While we know little of the specifics, it is clear that Daniel oriented his entire life around loving God. He renounced certain activities such as eating the king's contaminated food. He resisted these pleasures. And we also read this passage in Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. It tells us this, that Daniel in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. That, I believe, was the key to Daniel, not just surviving, but thriving in the midst of living in a pagan host culture. Daniel emerged a man full of faith and went on to do mighty exploits for the Lord. Now, there has been no singular people group on planet Earth like Israel who has been as subjugated and oppressed, lived in the midst of dominant and at times contrary host cultures, and yet still remain intact as a people group by way of its culture and practices. We know in their history, the children of Israel has primarily identified themselves as a people under exile, as a people who have been displaced from their land, as a people who are dominated and oppressed by a host culture. Now, many have done work in exploring and studying this people group and asking the question as to why are they so resilient as a people? Why is their culture still intact despite all that they have been through as a people? And many would conclude that it's because the Jews, the people of Israel, have religiously kept the practice of the Sabbath even in the midst of the most hellish of situations or circumstance. It's been said that in the concentration camps, they would practice the Sabbath and the Nazi guards, in a cruel attempt to rob hope from the Jewish people, would give them all their food, 
on Sunday so that they would run out of food when Sabbath came around. And the Nazi guard was noted to have said something to this effect, that we must keep the Jews from practicing the Sabbath because it is the Sabbath that gives them hope. This practice, this spiritual discipline, was more than just a ritual. It was a means for the people of God to anchor themselves in Him in a time of shaking, in a time of great trial and circumstance. And it's what preserved them and kept them intact as a people all through history. And I'm reminded even today that the Bible calls us the people of God, all who profess to be followers of Jesus. It refers to us as aliens or exiles in the land, people who are in the world but not of it. And so it leads us to ask a few questions, right? One, are there certain practices that distinguish us from the people in our land? Are there certain practices, certain rhythms, a rule of life that would distinguish us from the world in which we live in? And the other question I'm led to ask is, what spiritual practices do we have in place that will keep us grounded and anchored in hope in this time of shaking? What are some markers, some pillars that we're erecting in our lives in this time to keep us in God's peace, but also to keep us actively engaged in doing His will? And it's with that that I would like to submit to you that you and I, no matter how mature we think we are, no matter how put together we think we are, no matter how okay, alright, or steady we think we are in this time, we need a rule of life so that we may be distinguished, so that we may stand firm. My encouragement to you today is to 1. Utilize the rule of life really adopt it, make it a point to integrate the city rule of life into your schedule, reorder your priorities such that it will fit. But to not just be restricted or confined to the list of 10, but build off it. We all have different paths, different challenges, different things that we're working through in this time. And for that thing that we are working through, we need a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice to aid us in that journey. And it is a unique journey. It's unique to you. It's unique to me. And so perhaps God in this time through His Spirit is leading you to incorporate certain practices into your schedule to reorder your schedule. And I believe over time, a reordered schedule will tutor your desires, will tutor your heart, will reorder your heart in the right direction. I think of this line from Stephen Covey, and he says this, that we achieve inner peace when our schedule is aligned with our values. Now that line isn't from the Bible, it's not from the book of Proverbs, but my guess is if Jesus heard that line, he would probably smile and nod. Because in many ways, our schedules, what we devote our time to, is where our heart is, is where our treasure is. And this time, even as we are all diligently trying to pursue God, 
let us consider our schedules. Let us consider reordering our days so that our disordered desires may be reordered to long to thirst for the living God in a deeper way. And so let's spend a few moments this morning in prayer as we come to God in humility, as we seek His grace, His mercy, His kindness in our lives, as we recognize that we don't have the ability in and of ourselves to self-engineer any kind of spiritual transformation. We need the Spirit that all the practical things we do, they are our way of saying yes to the work that He wants to do. It's our way of partnering with God. And in this partnership, it is not 50-50. God does the heavy lifting. And we do a little bit as a way of saying yes, as a way of saying we trust you, as a way of saying we obey you, O God. And so in this moment, let's just allow the Spirit to meet with us. Let's incline our ears to hear His voice this morning. Even as we spend all this time talking about rule of life, let's allow Him to speak to us through our schedules. I invite you right now to even take out your phone or a piece of paper and just be in a posture of waiting as God speaks to you about practices or habits or spiritual rhythms that He is inviting you to pick up in this time. Let's spend a few moments waiting on the Spirit to speak to us and we're going to close off this time with asking for His grace together. Amazing. I hope that you have received something from the Spirit. If not, like I said, the rule of life, the city rule of life is a great place to start and for you to build upon that. And let's ask for God's grace together this morning, even as we begin our day, even as we begin this journey of reordering our schedules. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace. Your grace that is sufficient for us for all the work that you endeavor to do in our lives, for all the work that you're calling us to devote ourselves to. God, we thank you that your grace is sufficient, that you have not left us in lurch and told us to figure it out on our own, but you give us your grace. You give us your spirit to lead and guide us. God, we thank you that your invitations are not void of your power. They are not void of your leading, of your guidance. Where you call us, you are present, you are near, you are close. And so God, we pray even as we seek to obey you, may your voice, may your presence, may your grace be so evident even as we do so. We thank you for your great promise. We love you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of The Daily. Let's put this rule into practice. Excited to hear all that will be born in this time. Love you all. Grace and peace. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to The Daily Podcast. We'll have fresh new episodes out for you every weekday. If you like what you're hearing and you want to check us out, uh, you can look us up on our website, www.thecity.sg. Or check us out on our various social media platforms. We'll see you at the next episode. Peace.